I believe that God designed on demand for people like you. People can't always get to the word when you want it, so you need it in your hand or you need it on your computer. But here it is, a word just for you. So click in, enjoy yourself. And remember, God designed this just for you. So apply the word you're about to hear and let it transform your life. Dealing with relationship issues. Here's a question. Who do you not get along with? Who is it that you're struggling with? You're having a hard time figuring out if you can stand them one more day. I mean, you know, if you're honest, sometimes as a Christian, you, you can't be, you don't want to say it, but they're people you don't like. They're people, when they come around you, you, you have to pray and ask God for strength. And, and sometimes people give you reasons not to like them. They do things, say things, behave in ways that make it hard to like them. Somebody asked me one time, they said, why are you, why are you so such a stickler for time? You know, you just got to get them out because I want you to come back. I want you to like me. Because I know what people, when people figure up things, they say, well, can, can I go to that church? No, I need a tent and a sleeping bag if I go there because they're going to be there forever. Sometimes you're not clear. People don't know what you're saying. They're not sure what you mean because you jump all around. Uh, I found out I'm not against bringing Bibles to church. Most people use their phone now, but part of the problem is when I say turn to Zephaniah chapter 3, turn to Hebrews chapter, then turn to Malachi, turn to Nahum, you go, where in the world is he? And you can't keep up, so you get frustrated. But here's the deal. If I make it simple and I make it plain, you might learn something and you might come back. How about they made it there, right? Was that a clap? You like that? That's true, right? We started the year with a theme. The theme was, how do you cut a new path in your life? What do you do to cut a new path in your life? And all year long, I've been answering that question. The first thing you do is you build a better what? You. You've got to build a better you first. And then you've got to have a better what? Vision. You've got to be able to see. Third thing you've got to do is you've got to have a better what? Foundation. If your foundation's not right, it's not going to work. But once you get a foundation, you get everything in place, you've got to make better what? Decisions. If you don't make better decisions, nothing's going to change. You can't cut a new path unless you say, I need to make better decisions than this. With my money, my life, the way I love and date, I can't keep doing what I've always done. And then once I make better decisions, I've got to face my real issues. And what are my real issues? Sexual issues. We talked about those. In church, made everybody a little nervous. Then secondly, we'll talk about now relationship issues. And next month, we'll talk about work issues. Then I got a big surprise for you after that. But one of the things that I think is really hard about dealing with relationship issues is it's hard to be honest. It's hard to say how you feel, especially sometimes if you're a Christian. You get this, ah, I don't want to say anything sinful. But God knows you can't stand him. He's not surprised that you're really struggling. I want to talk to you about a family, two families. And these two families faced a big issue. And it's one person. It's almost always one person. It's always one individual that you have an issue with. And what I want you to think about for a second, because some of you, you are the issue. You're the one person, always, 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 fill in the blanks. I don't know what the always is, but you're always mad. You're always unhappy. You're always complaining. You're telling everybody off. You're the, you're the, you're the family discipliner. You always got something to say. You know? And if you're not careful, um, you become the issue. And it's really tragic. It's really a tragic 
outcome when you end up being the person in your son's life. You're the one person he can't count on. In your daughter's life, you're the one person. When they think about who's the most unreliable, who can they call, the, who, who's, who can they ask for money without a speech? It's not you. It's always a long lecture with every dollar. And so there's this frustration that they have when it comes to relating to you. On the job, you are the only one who has a complaint in the staff meeting. In every staff meeting, you have to raise up some issue as if the company's going to fall apart without your wisdom. So I want to jump into a story, if I can. It's an interesting story. It's the story of Adam and Eve's sons. And Adam and Eve's children were, you're going to see, products of what I call a family environment. And their children's personal decisions were directly related to some of the things that they did. And I want to say there are three things I want you to repeat with me, please. It's what they taught them, what they showed them, and what they passed to them. What you teach your children is not always something you verbally say. Sometimes what you show them. You model something. You're always angry. You're always in strife. That is a disease you pass to them. As a matter of fact, they get used to it. It becomes part of the culture. We always fight. We fight every, you know, two, three days. There's always some issue every morning. And you know when you see this on vacation? Because you're not used to being together. So you wait all year to take your five days off to go to Disney World to fight all five days. <laughs> By the time you get back, you can't stand anybody in the car. Everybody, you're mad with everybody. You fight about what ride to go on. You fight about what park to go to because you're rookies. You don't, know how to, you don't know how to get along with each other. You have no relationship skills. And so you work apart. And when you come home, you're just not together. And certain events reveal that to you. Sometimes you find out when you go on vacation. Sometimes you find out when you try to plan something together like a phantom reunion. And you see, boy, we don't, oh, my goodness, this is hard. And you find out at death. You find out when you get money, when money comes into the family for some reason. There are a lot of different events that reveal to you where you are. And so in this story today, we're going to look at a man who is at an interesting place in his life. His mom and dad, uh, Genesis chapter 3, have been put out of the garden now. And this is the beginning of a new life. Adam and Eve now have children, and for the first time, the world changes. Now, I, I put this in the, um, in the um, Message Bible version, so it's going to read a little bit different than the King James. But I want you to notice the three things we're going to read before I read the text. First of all, Cain and Abel. Cain is our main focus. Cain is the issue. Can you say that with me, please? Say, Cain, Cain is the issue. Now, let me say this before I read anything. Cain and Abel, if you know the story, were two brothers and there are two brothers who had two different attitudes. Matter of fact, let me, let me cheat a little, go a little ahead here. Look at chapter 3, chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says here in chapter 4, verse 1. It's amazing. Where's chapter 4, verse 1? Somewhere. Everybody speaking tongues said, Jesus, amen. The Bible says in G Genesis chapter 4. There it is, chapter 4, verse 1, at the top of the notes. Adam slept with his wife. She conceived and had Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man with God's help. Then she had another baby, Abel. 
Abel was a herdsman and Cain a farmer. Abel was a what? And Cain was a? And that's important. In this story, you're going to know that Cain and Abel are two totally different people. Cain was a, a guy who wanted things done his way. He was a guy that was very stubborn, very determined. Abel was totally different. Mild-mannered, listened to his parents, agreed, worked with the team. Abel was not like that. Totally different. Now, the problem, though, is Cain's viewpoints were shaped by his own convictions. His own, he did, he, this, his parents had a season when they rebelled against God, ate the fruit and all that. But they had repented. They changed. And it was before he was born. So now you have Cain coming along, and he's going to make his own life decisions. Now, here's what you're going to find interesting. If you look at Cain and Abel, the temptation is to, is to say we're like Abel. But if we're really honest, we're more like Cain. Now, if I'm honest with myself, my life leans more towards Cain's attitude than towards Abel's attitude. Now, in the story, Cain ends up killing Abel because of what I'm about to read in a minute, because of a sacrifice moment. And it's really hard for me to believe that I'm more like Cain. Matter of fact, it's embarrassing to say it. Because I, I want to say, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. But if I'm honest, if I tell the truth, I tend to want things the way I want them. I, I tend to shut down if I'm not careful when I'm told I'm wrong. I want to be right. You can look at me, but you know I'm telling the truth. Come on, say amen. We're more like Cain. Now look at Adam's adult children and their issues. First of all, Cain and Abel were obviously young adults, and they were both in business. Because remember, one's a farmer and one's a what? Herdsman. So these are not, these are not children. Don't think of them that way. These are grown men. Cain was a non-compliant, live his own life, do his own thing, young adult. Abel was the opposite. He was the kind of guy you could talk to, you can teach. And then they came to this, they came to this incredible moment where they had this exchange. This exchange that was really painful. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, you see, you see this, the fall of their parents. And in chapter 4, verse 6, you see their fall. It's amazing. Time passed, the Bible said, and Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of the ground. Abel also brought an offering but the, from the firstborn animals of, the, of, the, of his herd, choice cuts of meat. God liked Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering didn't get his approval. So Cain lost his temper. Amazing. And he went into a sulk. He just sat on this, just, just sulked. And here's what he said. Listen to this. So God spoke, the Bible said, to Cain. Now, I'll put that in, in, in bold print because I want you to God spoke to this guy. This is, this is a family that talks to God face to face. In Genesis chapter 3, God came in, in the cool of the day and God talked to them face to face. When you get to Genesis chapter 4 now, you see God talking to Cain face to face. So they have this big ceremony, right? 
and they're offering sacrifice to God, and God gives instructions. He says, okay, guys, now here's the deal. You offer a blood sacrifice. Now, nobody knows why because, you know, they just know it's for their sins, but they don't know the, the long-term message. This is the picture of Christ being offered for their sins, for the sins of man. They didn't understand that. So they had to, by faith, offer the sacrifice the way they were told. Abel said, fine. You know, the parents said, fine. One guy. Everybody said, one guy. One guy said, no. He says, I'm a farmer. I'm going to bring some apples. Because that's what I grow. Why can't you take what I give you? Think about it for a second. I want to give you this. But here's the point. God didn't ask for that. And Cain's argument could be, well, uh, uh, excuse me. Why can't I be me? You ever heard that before? I'm not the kind of person who likes to do that. I don't like to go to church. I don't like to give. I don't want to serve. Cain was the kind of guy who said what he didn't want to do because he's not that kind of guy. He says, my brother, Abel, he's a herdsman. He can go out and grab him some lambs or whatever. But me, I have to go, I guess, and barter with him or buy one from him. I don't want to do that. Why can't you accept me for me? Think with me, people. Why can't I be myself? And so in this moment, there's this exchange. His offering is not received, and everybody sees it. It's embarrassing. Everybody's offering is received but Cain's, and he's standing alone, and he feels cheated. So this incredible exchange where God came, verse 6, and talked to Cain in chapter 4 of Genesis. Why this tantrum, he asked him. Why the sulking? Verse 7, if you do well, won't you be accepted? If you do what's right, man, it's no problem. But what's amazing is throughout the text, if you read all the chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain says nothing back. The only time he talks is when he gets judged later on. But when God came to him and said, can you, can you just talk to me? Why won't you do what I ask you to do? He, made, he said nothing. You ever try to talk to somebody and they get, get you the silent treatment? You're trying to relate to them. You're trying to build a relationship. You're trying to make things right. You're trying to talk it through. And they just sit there like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said absolutely nothing. Nothing. You know, the Bible has a name for this. It's in Jude 1 and 11. Jude 1 11 says, he calls this the way of Cain. Can you sit there with me, please? Come on. The way of Cain. You know what the way of Cain is? It's the way Cain lived. Now, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you a question. It's real easy. It's a question you must get right or we need to pray for you. And I'm going to say, say this on the count of three. What's your name? One, two, three. There you go. Now, that's the cue. When I say the way of, I want you to put your name in there. Ready? When I say the way of, and you're going to say your name, right? The way of. So what's the way of? Like, Cain's way was, I, listen, I'm not, I, 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 don't, I don't get this. This ain't right. You embarrass me in front of everybody, nobody received. My offering's the only one not received. I don't know whether they blew up in smoke. I don't know what happened, but they all knew when it was received and when it wasn't received. His parents there, Adam and Eve's there, Abel's there, and they all standing around, and he's the only one embarrassed. Have you ever been that person? 
Here's what you say if you're not careful. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? I raise fruit. I'm a farmer, okay? I don't have smelly herds, sheep, and all that blood. I'm not killing anything. He's going to take my apples or nothing. So God tried to talk to him. No words. Silence. Amazing. Are you like that? Are you giving God a silent treatment? You got your little cornered here about your behavior? <laughs> I don't like to pick on stuff. I'm, I don't like to pick on stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something. I'm, 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 now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not picking. I'm just going to talk, okay? What in your life do you know is out of the will of God, but you know you're going to keep doing it? That's good. Silence. That's good right there. <laughs> silence. Silence. You know, you, you know things. You know things aren't good for you. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm going to say this. I, I saw, I, every time I see somebody smoke, I pray for them. Every time I see them, I pray for them. I pray for them. I say, oh, Lord Jesus, every, every time I see them. Because I know, I know what they're doing to themselves. I understand it's a powerful addiction, hard to get past. I know that. I understand. I'm not mocking you. I'm just making a point. I think every time I see you, I say, Jesus, help them. Every breath shortens life. This has got to end. That's good. Silence. Silence. There, there, is, there is a challenge you have with being faithful to anybody. I admired a wonderful conversation with a young girl once. She said, Pastor Rick, I don't know if I can be faithful to anybody. I thought that was courageous for her to say that. There's something about understanding I have an issue relating faithfully to anybody. You can't control your temper. And you know you shouldn't respond that way. But if you're not careful, you get into the way of Cain and say, that's just me. Deal with it. I'm just like this. Every job, every relationship, every marriage, every man, anybody God brings into your life, this is what you offer them. <laughs> the way of Cain it's painful to watch. The end result was tragic in chapter 4. Read it on your own. He ended up losing everything and moving away. And listen, listen, there's nothing the parents can do. You know, it's hard to admit. I can't stop you. As you, as you raise old, grown children, mama, you hear me. Daddy, you hear me. Adam and Eve, there's a, a tremendous verse in chapter 4 where the Bible said, and Cain left. He moved away. And never changed. God gave your children the right to choose their life. Just like you chose yours. You had to have him. You wanted him. And you got him. And now you want to throw him back in the ocean. But you had to have him. You wanted her. You begged for her. You snuck around to be with her. And now you scared of her. Come on, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you hiding in the shelter because, you, you know, she's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So you have to learn to accept your decisions. There was a way of Ricky that I had to grow out of, even as a pastor. There are things I had to learn. I'll give you one recently I just learned a couple of days ago, yesterday. I thought about how God has been good to me. 
And I tend, if I'm not careful, look back and say, oh, I should have done this. You ever do that game? I should have done this. If I did, I should have saved. I should have done this. And I and to break your temple. Uh, how much do you have right now? Look around you. Why, why won't you do something with what you have? Why are you looking back talking about what you didn't do? Do what you can now with what you have. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen. Do, do it now. You looking in the mirror talking about, I should have worked out. I'm too heavy. And you ain't walking yet. Get Walk now. Why are you talking? Get, get to walking. Don't talk. Get to walking. Come on, say amen. Come on. Come on. Come on, amen. Get to walking. You walk around here feeling guilty and bad about how you look. Do something. At least walk while you're talking about yourself. Come on, amen. amen. <laughs> Everybody say, Cain was an issue. But he wasn't the only one. I'm telling you another quick story. The second story is Noah's son. There's a story in Genesis chapter, uh, I think, 7 or 8 here that's really amazing. Chapter 9, I'm sorry. Let's get there. Let me show you this real quick. This is an incredible story because in Genesis chapter 9, this guy, let me just read the story to you. He just got out of the ark a year, year, right? They, the world's been flooded. And so his, they're about to uh, start their new life. They plant a new vineyard. And in chapter, chapter 9, verse 19, this is the first harvest after the flood. These are the three sons of Noah, Genesis 9, 19. Uh, these three, the whole earth, uh, through these three, the whole earth was populated. Noah was a, a what? Farmer, verse 20 uh, of Genesis chapter 9. Noah was a farmer. Noah, a farmer, was the first to plant a vineyard. He drank from his wine and got drunk, and he passed out naked in his tent. Now, there's a couple of things about this to note. Number one, he's happy. First harvest, glad to be off the boat. He was on the boat for almost a year. So I'm glad to be back on ground, glad to see crop grow again. Man, woo, this is a great day, you know. And then, But see, the problem is he over-celebrated. But at least he's at home. He's at home by himself in a tent, and he fell down naked. Now, that's real drunk. You know, he one of he, he one of people don't need to drink, because I'm telling you, when you start drinking and taking your clothes off, something wrong. You need to, you need, you need to be an AA or something, AA Anonymous, because you got a bad drinking problem. So he takes his clothes off, and what's powerful is verse 22, Ham, what's his name? Ham, Ham the father of Canaan, that's important now. Ham had a son named Canaan. That's why it says, now all this will make sense in a minute. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked. He comes in and says, oh, oh, daddy, wow, man, woo, boy. But what's interesting is in the Greek, the way the Hebrew rather, when it describes it, the Bible says he gazed at his father. Daddy. Daddy. Oh, boy. And, he st- you know, and so he's... He, you know, and then he didn't this do that. He went and told his brothers, two brothers, who were outside the tent. Notice he goes outside the tent to embarrass his father. Now, what you could have done was just say, let's keep this between us. Do you tell, tell, tell people's nakedness? I, I want to know why he'd do this. Why would you tell somebody online the worst thing you know about somebody. Why? Why? The internet, the internet has allowed us to be cowards and mean-spirited. 
So you know she did something. Why are you telling people that? Tell me your motivation. What is the, what's the benefit in saying something? Now, some things need to be told. I get it. But why are you telling everybody all that? So he went and told his brothers. Watch the response of his brothers. Verse 23, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Shem and Japheth, brother, took a cloak and held it between them from their shoulders. And they walked backwards and they covered up their father's neck, nakedness. Look at the difference. One is showing respect. One is mocking. Which one are you? When you see a fight, you go, fight! You want to see the fight. You want to, you want to see people get hurt. You, you enjoy when somebody looks bad. You see her, look what she wearing. Look what she wearing. I wouldn't go outside in the dark with that on. Are you kidding me? Look at them pants. Them pants as high water as can be. And look at her hair. Women, you know y'all good at this. Come on, talk to me now. You know you good. And them nails. Well, she must be a tiger. <laughs> Cut everybody. And they crooked. Toes going every which way. And just, I, if I was her, I'd cover them all up all the time. Why? Why? Think with me for a second. Must you talk about their nakedness? Why? Sidebar for a second. I've been slim all my life. When I came to this church, my waist size was 27. And it was that way for 15 years. I look at myself, I was a pencil walking around. Don't you ever say it to me, I'd be mad with you. Don't you ever say that again. I was slim. I was, I was, I was real slender. 28, I thought I'd gained a bunch of weight. 29, 30, I'm 36 now. 35, 35 in the waist. Got to make sure I get it right. And uh, I'm telling you, it has been, when people saw me, I gained a little bit of weight. And then right here, the devil start rising a little bit. <laughs> I can do you. Come here for a second. Come up here. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, you're going to be me for a second. I, I, I was stunned at what people would do because I've been slender all my life. I've been, nobody ever commented on my size much. They said, hey, Pastor Rick. How you doing, man? You must be eating good, boy, I tell you. And I was stunned. I said, what the, what, hi. I was stunned that you walk up to me and don't even look at me. You're like, yeah, oh boy. Look at that down there. Right. I said, you know what? You, you know, I'm on video all the time. So, you know, now you look at every video and say, dog, cut that out. Cut that side out. No, no side shots, praise the Lord. Just. And, and if you're not careful, I'm 190 pounds a day, 91. My target weight is 192. Got to keep working. Got to do better. I get that. On a bad, good day, I'm down to 188. I don't have to tell you my business, but I'm telling you for a reason. Why would you go? Why do you do that? Bless my grandmama. She used to go on and be with the Lord now, but I'm going to tell a story of that. When I met Diane, you know, (laughs) I didn't know my family did this. My, my, My grandmother would always say, Diane, you gained some weight every time she saw her. She'd always comment on her size. You know, you know, some people are, oh, that, that left hip is bigger than it was last week. This is over here. And so, 
So, I mean, some people are amazing. You're, you really are amazing. You say things and don't even think about what you're saying. How are you? That's, that's good. You can stop right there. Come on, amen, right? Amen. And if they don't look good, just, just, just pray. Lord, help my eyes, Jesus. Because sometimes it is shocking now. You know what I'm saying? It is. I'm not going to lie. It is shocking. You know, I'm too small to have a way out here. Now, I got to watch it. You know, I got to do something. Keep working at it. Keep working, Temple. God, you know, I understand that, but, but, but I don't need you to go, oh, Jesus, I don't need you to do that. <laughs> You're not helping me. That's not going to help anybody. So I talked to, I, I've told this before. I talked to my grandma. I said, Grandma, now, please, you can't, you can't, every time Diane come over, you, you don't need to say something. So next time she saw, you're the beautifulest woman I ever saw in my life. You're so <laughs> beautiful. I mean, you know, I love my grandma, but she's sweet. God bless her in heaven. But, you know, there are moments when you, if you're honest, we don't do well with the other's nakedness, especially our spouses. The things you say. How does a person feel when you, when you comment on their struggles? You say things that only you know and you mock them. Why don't you love them? So anyway, these guys cover up their daddy. The Bible says he woke up and, he, and, and when he saw what his son had done to him, he made a statement that has been misunderstood for generations. He said, curse be Canaan. That's what he said. And Ham is considered to be the father of those of Africa and dark-skinned people. And so the, the descendants of Ham, people thought, were cursed because of this comment. I want to make sure I'm, I note it for you because it's a wrong. It was used during slavery. It was used during a lot, of, a lot of times in history. And it was absolutely incorrect. Here's what the Bible said in verse 25. Nor when he walked from his hangover, he learned what his younger son had done. And verse 25 said, he, he said, curse be Canaan. Now, who did he curse? Not Ham. Here's what he said. A slave of slaves, a slave to his brothers. A slave of slaves, a slave to his brothers. Blessed be God. Now, a lot of people use that to justify slavery, implying that that's why God said black people were cursed. That is wrong. I did put in there for you um, a comment by the Bible Knowledge Commentary, which describes it in more detail. Uh, it's by, it says Genesis 9, 24 through 29, Bible Knowledge Commentary. You can read that on your own. Here's the bottom line of what it all says. He wasn't cursing Ham. Here's what he was saying. He was prophesying. He said, you know, that same attitude you got, boy, I see it in your son, my grandson, Canaan. That, that disrespectful, mocking nakedness, casual attitude, disrespect. I see it in Canaan. And Canaan's going to be enslaved by it. And the Canaanites down the road, that became true. And part of the challenge was, this wasn't a curse on black people. This was a statement about what's going to happen to this family. Let me ask you a question. If you're honest about your nieces and nephews and cousins, where they headed? If you were to tell the truth for a minute, just for a moment, just have a moment of honesty, say, my daughter's children are going to end up in prison. The way they are going right now, I can see. Noah looked at his own son and said, you know, yeah, you, you mock me, you, you embarrass me, but you, you know what? You need to look behind you. The boy you're raising, the child you're raising, you see it in your family. You see what's coming. And what's amazing is you want to call the police department. You want to call the mayor. You want to call the other people. This is your family. 
Come on, talk to me now, somebody. These are your children. Come on, talk to me. Amen. These are your children. If you can't contain them, if you won't face the truth, that's your grandson, but your grandson's a criminal. Your grandson, your, your auntie goes to the store and steals stuff. You know her. You understand. You see where your family is going. Here's what's hard to say. Man, we got issues. And until you face those issues, you're never going to cut a new path. You're never going to have God's best for you. I'm done. Did you learn something today? Amen. Come on, stand on your feet. Come on, stand on your feet with me. Father, today in Jesus' name, we thank you for the hand of God upon your people. We leave knowing that what we've said today is truth. What are our family issues? What are the things that we are struggling with? What are the things that, if I tell the truth, my son is on the wrong road? What issues do I need to face? I need to start dealing with who I'm dealing with. Some things I can save and some things I can't. And some things I cannot own. Because some of you say, I did not raise him to be that way, and I cannot own that. Cain was not taught rebellion. He decided to be rebellious. And your children can make the same decision, just like some of you did. So here's the question. What are you going to do with your life? For a minute, let's not think about anybody else. I want to know if you're like Cain living your own way, doing it your own way. Not willing to say, Lord, here's my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray that the spirit of the living God would bring healing and, and grace to every heart. I ask you in Jesus' name to heal hearts today. There are people who are not following Jesus want to follow him, who need to follow him. With every head bowed, every hand down for just a second, if you say, Pastor Rick, I know I'm not really following Jesus, but I want to follow him. You're right, I have been going my own way, but I want you to pray for me today. I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you say, Pastor, pray for me today. Pray for me today. Pray, pray, pray for me. I see hands up. I see hands. God bless you. Father, touch these today. Some of them are giving their lives to Jesus for the first time. Some are saying, I need Jesus in my life. And I want him to be the Lord of my life. And this will be the day I start. And I give you all praise and all glory and all honor for it. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Look this way. I love On Demand because it can help you. And I pray that what you've heard today will help you. I hope it transforms your life and gives you the, the boost you need. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who've listened in. Let it be a transforming moment for them, one they'll never forget in Jesus' name. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'll see you next time right here on Demand. If you like what you heard today, link it and send it to a friend and bless somebody else. Have a great day. Bye-bye.